Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 27. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In our text, we're going to focus on five people, or five groups, if you will, five people in one group, if you will. And what I thought to do is just give each of these people one word, title for their scenario, for their situation. One word. So we have a one word outline if you're taking notes. Here we go. Number one, the chief priest. One word, envy. It's all about envy. And then number two, Judas. Judas and remorse. Chief priest, envy. Judas remorse. And then thirdly, Jesus, silence. Envy, remorse, silence, Jesus. And then fourthly, Barabbas, free. It's all about freedom for him. And then finally, Pilate, Pilate, compromise. Pilate, compromise. Pilate, as you know, if you know your Bibles, of course you do. Pilate Pilate looked for an easy way out. Pilate looked for an easy way out versus looking for the right way or choosing the right way. He chose the easy way. Saints, listen, never ever compromise. Amen? Compromise is always, always a bad thing. Listen at this little story. It's a Russian proverb, or pardon me, a Russian parable that that I happen to come across. Listen at this, talking about compromise, this Russian parable. And, and, And it reads, a hunter raised his rifle. He took careful aim at a large bear. He was about to pull the trigger. The bear spoke in a soft, soothing voice. Isn't it better to talk than to shoot? Well, what do you want? Well, let's negotiate. Lowering his rifle, the hunter replied, Well, I want a fur coat. Well, good, said the bear. That's negotiable because I want a full stomach. (laughs) So let's negotiate and compromise. Well, they sat down to negotiate. And after a time, the bear walked away alone. The negotiation had been successful. The bear had a full stomach and the hunter had a fur coat. All right, if you don't get it, that means the bear ate the guy. Okay, you with me now? Say amen. amen. Phew. Some of y'all are like, I don't get it. Compromise, 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 compromise rarely satisfies both sides in equal measure. Rarely. Never compromise. Never take the easy way out. Always do what is right. Amen, saints? Amen. 
Well, look at verse uh, Matthew chapter 27. We pick up our study beginning in verse 1. I think I'll read down to verse 10 in the interest of time and uh, come back and have some comments. When, uh, look at verse uh, 1, and if you're with me, say amen. amen. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people, well, they plotted together against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had underlined this in your neighbor's Bible, bound him, they led him away. And they delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Well, then in verse 3, Judas his betrayer. Isn't that interesting? Man, how would you like to go down in history as, you know, your name and your sin for all the world throughout all eternity to view? That tells you the gravity of what Judas did over and over again in the scriptures and Judas, the betrayer, and Judas, who betrayed the Lord. Well, notice here in our Bibles, Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, he was, circle this in your neighbor's Bible, remorseful. He brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, well, what is that to us? You see to it. That's not our business. Well, then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and he departed and he went And he hanged himself. But the chief priest in verse 6 took the silver pieces and they said, It is not lawful for us to put them into the treasury treasury, because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and they brought with him the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore that field was called the field of blood to this day. Man, throughout all eternity. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them to the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Stop right there. Give me your attention. If you haven't been with us so far, give me your attention. So far, Jesus was in the garden. He was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. Remember? To identify him. Betrayed, Judas came in the garden. Jesus was in the garden praying. Judas walks up to him and kissed him. Now we learned a couple of weeks back that that kiss wasn't just like a peck on the cheek. It was actually like a sloppy kiss. (coughs) Don't you hate sloppy kiss? (laughs) Sloppy kiss. Hey, Judas came up here. That's the idea in the Greek language, really. It was to identify him because Jesus, he wasn't that noticeable. You know, I told you often, Jesus didn't travel with an entourage. Jesus didn't, you know, you wouldn't walk in a room and go, oh, oh, there's Jesus. You know, he's the guy in the really loud orange suit. Oh, wow, there's Jesus. I mean, look at, oh, man, I mean, there's something that really, really, you would not know if Jesus was sitting in here right now, physically, you know what I mean? Say amen. Amen. You wouldn't know. He's sitting right next to you. You wouldn't know. And that's why Judas came and kissed him. 
to identify him to the Roman soldiers there in the garden. It was at that time that they hauled Jesus off, the religious leaders, to the house of what we call the mob boss Annas, remember? And then they took him to the palace of Caiaphas, who was the high priest. And they had night court. And they could, wanted to bring Jesus to Pilate quickly because they wanted to crucify him before the sun went down. And so they took him to Pilate at that point for the death penalty to crucify him. All of this was completely illegal and unjust. We talked about it last week. And then they hired false witnesses but couldn't find two to agree on any one lie, which was illegal. And then Caiaphas put Jesus under oath and he said, are you the Christ, the son of God? And Jesus said, you said it. And Caiaphas at that time tore his robe. The high priest tore his robe. Again, illegal, unjust. And they sentenced Jesus to die. Now here in chapter 27, it opens in verse 1 with the third and the final trial of Jesus. It's about 5 a.m. in the morning. After Jesus is questioned by Annas, the chief priest, because of envy, they take him to Pilate. Now, let me give you just a little bit of background on Pontius Pilate. He was the governor, if you're taking notes, he was the governor of Judea in the year 8 or between the years 8, AD 26 to 36, probably about 10 years. The first inscription, I found this interesting, the first inscription bearing his name wasn't found until 1961. Isn't that interesting? They found it actually in, in some excavations in the seacoast town of Caesarea. Now don't confuse this with Caesarea Philippi. In Caesarea Philippi is where Peter said, you know, thou art the Christ, the son of Jesus said, who do I say, men say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That was in Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea is a seacoast town. And it's, it's beautiful. If you've been around here, we've been to Israel. On our next trip, we will go to Caesarea. It's a beautiful area. It's there that they found excavations in this seacoast town. And then Pilate generally lived in Caesarea. But during the feast and during the Passover, there were lots of riots that broke out. And so he would live in Jerusalem. It was at this time that Pilate was in big trouble. Pilate had made a series of political Faux pas. Big mistakes as it relates to politics. Number one, he had commanded an army to carry a banner with Caesar's picture on it and to carry it down the streets in Jerusalem. The Jews considered that to be idolatry. When the Jews stood up against him, he had his troops around them and threatened to behead them. It was at that moment that the people, because they were so set against idolatry, that they lean down in the streets. These are hundreds of people. They lean down in the streets. They put their necks out and they said, cut our heads off. Cut, 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 our, cut us our heads off at the neck, but we will not submit to this idolatry. And it was at that time that Pilate backed off. And then another occasion, he took some money from the sacred Corbin treasury of the temple to pay for the building of that aqueduct in the area of Caesarea. And when the people protested, he had them beaten with clubs. And then another time, he had some shields made for the Antonio Fortress with Caesar's image on them. And when the Jews complained to Caesar, they went right to Caesar this time, he had them removed. So Pilate has already, listen, made some serious political mess-ups, problems, mistakes. 
Pilate is now thinking, as they bring Jesus to him, Pilate is now thinking, listen, one more political mess up, and I will be out of office. And so what did Pilate do? He tried to compromise. He wanted to release Jesus, but knew the Jews would complain. And he had already been warned by Caesar, no more mess ups, so, or you're out of, the, out, of your, out of your office. So he tried to compromise. So they bring Pilate, did you note this? They bring him to Jesus. Look at it again in your Bibles in verse 2. They bring him to Jesus bound. His hands obviously are tied. They brought him bound. I thought about this over the last couple days. I told you that, you know, my wife's out of town. And uh, so, so you, know, I, you know, I had to do everything for myself, y'all. And... One, three. One, two, three. Oh. I had to get my own clothes out this morning. Did y'all know I was colorblind? No, I ain't kidding you. So when Elvira's not here, you, know, you always know when Elvira's not in town. Because I'll be wearing something probably white, gray, or black. Whenever I have on something real colorful, you know Elvira's home. Because <laughs> I don't see, guys don't get it. You know, I, don't, I just don't really see it that way. So, I'm, you know, I thought I did all right. So I'm home this week and, and, and you know, I'm thinking about this. And I'm thinking about this, this word. Look at it again in verse 2. When they had bound him. That, man, that just struck me because, you know, it made me think they, they, they bound him. This is the one. They bound his hands, the hands that wiped the waves, ceased the storms, the hands that hushed the wind to sleep, the hands that turned the water to wine. These hands they bound that, that he multiplied the bread. These are the same hands that healed all kinds of diseases and the same hands that healed the leper and the same hands that made healing ointment out of mud. These are the same hands that opened the ears of the deaf and gave sight to the blind. The eyes of the blind are open. The ears of the deaf will hear. Isn't it amazing how the Holy Spirit does that? We don't even try to orchestrate our songs. I'm not even surprised by it anymore. I'm not even surprised. I'll hear him rehearsing and I'll go, yep, that's in my sermon. Yep, that's in my sermon. Yep, that's in my sermon. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit does that. Isn't that amazing? And these are the same hands that open the deaf ears and the same hands that, that raise the dead. They bound the one. Think about this. They bound the one who came to set people free from their sin. Isn't that interesting? And so they bound him with ropes. I'll tell you something. You think those ropes held him? Do you think those ropes held him? You know what held him? You know what held him bound? It wasn't the ropes. It was two things. Taking notes. Number one, obedience. Number one, obedience. Jesus said, I come to do the will of my Father who sent me. He was obedient unto the Father even until death. The, the obedience held him, number one. And then secondly, you guessed it, love. Love held him. Love kept him bound. Y'all understand that Jesus could have snapped those ropes. All he had to do was look at them. The Superman. Got those eyes just... Bzz. 
But this is God we're talking about. He didn't have to go bound to Pilate. He could have just said, well, I don't, he could have snapped those ropes just like that. But he chose not to because obedience to the Father held him and love for us held him. Well, they bound Jesus and they took him to Pilate. Why did they take him to Pilate? Well, two reasons. Number one, because of the law. Because of the law. You see, it was illegal for Jews to sentence someone to death. The Jewish form of capital punishment was stoning. So they had to bring Jesus to Pilate because of the law, number one. Secondly, get this, because of prophecy. Prophecy? Yeah, you know, you were with us in Matthew 20 when Jesus said he came to die and to be crucified. Psalm 22, look that up in your own time. Isaiah 53, look that up in your own time. Over and over the scriptures tell us that Jesus would be crucified. Many Old Testament prophecies speak of Jesus being crucified. crucified. So God is simply using these Jews to bring Jesus to Roman authority to be crucified to fulfill Bible prophecy. I mean, think about that. God is the one who controls governments. You know, don't ever make this mistake of thinking they killed Jesus. Do you know they didn't kill Jesus? Do you know they didn't take his life? The Bible says he laid his life down. They didn't kill him. With them taking Jesus and binding him and putting him on the cross, all of that was in the Father's control. You see, God is the one who orchestrates governments. God is the one who orchestrates nations and kingdoms and peoples. You know, we think that man is in control. Pilate's in control. Religious leaders are in control. They're not in control. They're just puppets in the hand of God. That's why during election time, you don't have to get all up in a tizzy. People, who's going to get elected? Who's going to, oh, well, if my candidate ain't going to get elected. People get to fighting and even Christians. Folks getting fist fights over who's going to get elected. Pastor Ronnie, who are you voting for? I ain't telling you. None of you. Because I understand that God is in control of governments. God is simply in heaven. He's puppeting Pilate and kingdoms and nations of people, using them to fulfill Bible prophecy. Amen, saints. Moving things forward on God's time, on God's schedule. Well, then notice in verse 3 through 10, we just read it. Look at it again. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned. Did you see that? And Judas obviously was around for one of the trials and saw Jesus bound and led away to Pilate. He saw his bloodied face and his bruised face. And maybe for the first time, Judas realized that an innocent man was going to be murdered and that he was responsible. And he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a common slave. And now there's an, an incredible sense of guilt and regret <laughs> And he is remorseful. Now, in some of your Bibles, it says that he repented or he was remorseful. I mean, think about that. Twelve men in all of the history of the world had an opportunity that no one else had ever had in all of the history of the world. These twelve men, and Judas included, 
had an opportunity to spend face-to-face time with Jesus. I mean, think about this. We will spend face-to-face time with him. We do. In many respects, spiritually, we spend time face-to-face with him. And someday, we're going to be in heaven face-to-face with Jesus. Amen, saints? But these 12 guys now, different than all of the men in all of history and women, all mankind, because they physically saw Jesus face-to-face. They physically looked into his eyes. They physically was hugged by him. They were physically touched by him. They had three years of intimate fellowship with the Son of God. Three years of hearing the teaching. Three years of receiving divine revelation after divine revelation, month after month after month, for three years from the lips of the creator of the world, Judas included. And he sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And I think of men like Hitler and Stalin, and Saddam Hussein, and Nero, and Herod the Great, and Charles Manson, and Jeffrey Dahmer, and Timothy McVeigh. All of these guys, they killed folks. And they had no remorse. They had no regret. But in many respects, and listen to me closely, I know that God does not like categorize sin and prioritize sin. So in other words, stealing a Snickers bar is equal to murder in God's eyes. Did you know? That's why people are, I'm a good person. I can go to heaven because I'm a good person. Listen, good luck. (laughs) (coughs) Well, have you ever lied? No. Well, yeah, you just lied. (laughs) You're going to hell. Everyone has sinned. That's why when the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, God's word is right and you are wrong. Amen. So I realize that God does not like categorize sin and this is like the top 10 biggies. And if you know you violate the top 10 biggies and you get another category, that's not God. But if he did, let's just say, work with me. If he did, I would say that Judas sin was the absolute worst of all of those men I mentioned. Why? Because, as I've said, he spent time with Jesus. He, is, he had the greatest privilege known to man, and he hardened his heart. And that's why Jesus said in John 13, 27, he called Judas the devil. Why? Because he hardened his heart, even in the face of spending time with the living God, the God of all creation, Judas hardened hardened his heart. And then the Bible says, after he saw Jesus condemned, then he was remorseful. Again, some of your Bibles say repented. Now, does that that mean that Judas, that we'll see Judas in heaven? Absolutely, positively, no. You will not see Judas in heaven. Because the word repented, listen, oftentimes over and over in the scriptures, if you're still listening, say amen. Amen. Oftentimes over and over in the scriptures, we have this word repented. The word repent is metanoia. That's the Greek word. It means to turn around and go the other way. It means make a yui. You were going this way after your own way. Now turn around and follow God. That's what the word repent means. It means to have a change of mind, a change of heart, and thus you'll have a change of action. Now, this word repent 
is used of metanoia. It means to change your mind. But that's not the word used here for Judas. It's a different Greek word. It sounds a bit like it, but it is a different Greek word. And so this word here for Judas literally means, when it says that he was remorseful or that he repented, it literally means to have deep sorrow or regret. You see, Judas was remorseful and repentant, but he didn't repent to God. He was so remorseful that he, he, he brought back the money, the blood money, as if he could give it back and clear his conscience, and he didn't confess to Jesus. He confessed out of fear. He was basically grasping for straws, looking for another way to get rid of the guilt. And the priest didn't care. We just read it. They said, Judas, you feel bad? That's not our concern. And desperate and hopeless and alone with guilt, he threw the money down, and he went out, and he hung himself on a tree. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.